Exodus 2. Exodus 2, we'll start there. Exodus 2. And we'll read verses 11 through 15. Exodus 2, verses 11 through 15. <coughs> Say this, Exodus 2, 11 through 15. It says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. Did you catch that? He looked this way and he looked that way. That's the problem. When people sin, they look this way and they look that way, but they don't look that way. And that's where they're getting caught. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. Oh, but there's somebody there. So remember, don't just look this way and that way, Isaiah. Oh, I don't see mom. I don't see dad. Oh, I remember that. Trying to help you, right? This way and that way. But we got to look up way. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, oh, yeah, there was no man, but there was a God. He saw it all. He slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. He said to him that did wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Verse 15, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight again through the blood and name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so glad our sins are gone. The stain is gone. The guilt is gone. And Lord, we're thankful there still is a fountain filled with blood. And Lord, that there's power in that blood and we can claim it, dear God, on a daily basis, dear Lord. Lord, again, I pray for the needs tonight. Again, we think of Sister Muxlow. We think of Brother Woody. We think of uh, Donald, uh, Sister Barnett, Sister Brooke, others. Lord, again, those that are traveling. And uh, Lord, again, I pray for each one that's here, each one that's listening. Lord, thank you for your faithful servants. Thank you. The Lord, in 2023, despite all that's going on around the world and in our country, there are people that love you, love the Word of God, and love the house of God. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, of course, we've talked about leaders. And, well, the question is always asked, are leaders born or leaders made? Well, you could probably answer, of course, both. Because, of course, we're all born with certain natural abilities and gifts. And, of course, some people are born with greater natural leadership gifts than others. I mean, if you've ever been around uh, some great uh, uh, leaders, I remember when I was in the, the military, my first uh, duty station in Korea, I was in a uh, secret security force, and so I was around uh, generals a lot. And I mean, you know, as a young soldier and, you know, just young like that, being around those, I mean, they just, people, I just like, wow, these, these men were, uh, they were just amazing to me that, you know, they, these guys are sharp and, you know, just, uh, just, 
being around him, especially early in my military, was just a, a great privilege to, to see how things operated, you know, at, at that level and to see uh, that leadership. Because, like, you think, you know, you meet some of those people like, man, if, if I ever have to go in the battle, this is the guy I want in charge or, or this is the guy uh, that I want to wanna, uh, uh, be with. And so you can see some people, they just, I remember my, uh, when I was at Fort Hood, my battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Riley, he was like the, uh, the, 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 the golden boy of our, our division, right, as officers. And we just all knew that one day he is going to be a general. And I remember the last time I saw him, the, where I was in Germany, the community, right after I got out of the military and came back as a missionary, he came to Germany and he became the community commander of there in Aschaffenburg, where I was the last time I, I saw him. But the last time I heard about him, I forget, you know, years later when I came back to Germany and pastored that military church, I was at the PX and on the Stars and Stripes newspaper, it said, Lieutenant General Riley becomes commander of whatever uh, position that he got in, uh, in uh, Germany there. And it was just amazing because I knew he was a lieutenant colonel. I just knew that one day you just knew when you walked in his presence, here, you know, here's a man with a, a leadership <laughs> ability. I remember, matter of fact, when he was a lieutenant colonel, I remember walking to his office because I'd have to go to his office sometimes. And I, one day I was waiting outside of his office and they had the pictures of all the, you know, uh, politicians, you know, president on down. Then they do the generals. And I noticed, just silly things you notice, I noticed all the politicians had their hair combed, example, to the right. And all the military people had their hair combed to the left, except for Colonel Riley. His hair was combed to the right. So I walked in, I did something, and, you know, I couldn't help it. My crazy sister, I said, excuse me, sir, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, I just made an observation outside your office that all the, the civilians had their hair combed to the right, all the military, combed, except for you, you had your hair combed. Have you ever thought about going into politics, sir? And uh, he answered that question, won't tell you what he said, but the answer was clear. The answer was no. He was not going into politics. So he just asked, he, let me just say he answered in a military manner. That's all I'm saying, right? But, of course, some people, again, like I said, are born with natural leadership gifts. Fortunately, the ability to lead is really a collection of skills, nearly all which can be learned, can be learned and improved. So while perhaps not everyone can become a great uh, a, a leader, hey, maybe not everybody's going to be a general, but hey, we need lieutenant colonels, we need majors, we need captains. Anyone can become a better leader. So as we've looked at uh, principles of leadership and stuff, so we want to look at one tonight. Whether becoming a better leader, whether becoming a better Christian, or even a better church, it often requires many of the same things. And there is what's called in leadership development, and we can even apply it to Christian uh, development and church development, the law of the process, the law of the process. It's important to recognize that leadership has many facets, like Christianity, respect, experience, emotional strength, people skills, discipline, vision, Momentum, timing, among other things. It's a complicated skill set, and many of the skills are intangible. They take time to develop, and that's where the law of process comes in. Leadership, again, develops daily, not in a day. 
Becoming a leader is a lot like investing successfully in the stock market. If your hope is to make a fortune a day, you're probably going to be disappointed. Most of the successful investors are in it for the long haul. They add to their investments regularly, and those investments tend to compound over time. Unfortunately, most people overestimate the importance of events and underestimate the power of processes. We want quick fixes. We want the big jackpot. We want the compounding effect that happens over 50 years, but we want it in 50 minutes. I mean, it's amazing today, you know, the older generation that it took them years, you know, they got a house and, you know, their cars paid off and maybe, you know, they've been fortunate to not be in debt and they have this and that. But yet uh, couples today, you know, when they get married, you know, they want in the first 50 days what it's been, you know, or first 30 days what their parents, it's been taking their parents 30 years uh, to get because we're, you know, we're in the generation of, I remember years ago, there was a song, I want it and I want it now. And that is the mentality of uh, the, the recent generations. But there are no successful lottery winners or day traders in leadership development. What matters most is what you do day by day over the long haul. Consistency day by day over the long haul. We all want that one great event that is going to make us a better leader, a better Christian, or a better church. But a process is so much more effective than a one-time event. Let's notice some differences. An event encourages decisions, but a process encourages development. An event motivates people, right? Oh, we like to be motivated, right? Motivates people, but a process matures people. And that's what we want. We want people to be motivated, but more than that, we want Christians to be, we don't want just motivated Christians, we want mature Christians. An event is a calendar issue, but a process is a culture issue, right? Having that culture within the, the, the church or the, 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 um, the business or whatever it is of development. An event challenges people, but a process changes people. An event is usually easy, right? Oh, good, got that done, it's over with, right? But a process is difficult because it requires commitment and time. The secret of one's success can be found in their daily agenda, What you see when you look at a person's daily agenda, their priorities, their passions, their abilities, their relationships, their attitude, their personal disciplines, their vision, and influence. See what a person is doing every day, day after day, and you'll know who that person is and what he or she is becoming. The learning process is ongoing, a result of self-discipline and perseverance. The goal each day must be to get a little better, to build on the previous day's progress. If you want to be a better leader, a better Christian, a, the good, you need to build on that. And the good news is that we can do it. You can do it. Everyone has the potential. But again, it's not accomplished overnight. It requires perseverance. And you absolutely cannot ignore what's called the law of the process. Leadership. Spiritual maturity doesn't develop in a day. It develops. It takes a lifetime. So, again, I often use the word leadership here, but, again, you can replace it with developing a Christian, developing a church. And so you see the law of process, if you will, throughout the Word of God. God sent Moses, as we see here, right? We say, oh, Moses was a great leader. Yeah, but he wasn't a great leader till he went, if you will, through the law 
of process. All right, let's look at that. God sent Moses through the law of process, right? We see here what happens, right? He, he could have been the leader of, we all know he could have been the leader of Egypt, but then this event takes place. God uh, allows us his life, and then he flees, and he ends up where? In the land of Midian. He sat down by well, and we know that he dwelt there. I mean, again, a process is not a quick event. He, in his case, how long, how long was he, who remembers, how long was he there? 40 years. Yeah, basically, his life can be broken down to three periods of 40 years, right? 40 years in Egypt, 40 years on the backside of the mountain, and then 40 years of, you know, leadership. And so we see that here. So here he is. He flees. And in his life begins that 40 years of, if you will, the law of process. But then we see it takes up in chapter three. And then God shows up. It says, now Moses, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So here's where God shows up. Go down to verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely, sent, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I came down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I also have seen the oppression with the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send. Thee. You see, he put Moses through the law of the process. It still wasn't done, but yet he looked down and he said, well, okay, he's got this far in development. I'm going to pull him out of here. I'm going to give him potential for leadership. But of course, don't think once you got the position, it's over because his process in one sense, even though he'd been there 40 years, was just beginning, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, there. So he says, uh, now come and I will send thee. So God pulls Moses out of there and gives him a position of leadership that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, who am I? Boy, humility, humility required for leadership. But yet, that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And boy, that's the key. Not just having that position, but having the person of God with you. Shall be taken of thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. So God turned Moses into a great leader. We know the story as he goes down there and the, the plagues and all those things. But God turns Moses into a great leader and used him to lead his people out of Egypt. And it says this in Deuteronomy 7, 8. But because the Lord loved you, talking to Israel, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh to the king of Egypt. And God used Moses uh, uh, for that. And, uh, he, and so now, of course, thousands of years later, he's known as a great leader. But boy, when you, when, after he killed that man and after he uh, fled, if they would have had a vote today, okay, who wants to bring Moses back and make him our leader? <laughs> I don't think uh, he would have got many uh, 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 votes that day. But see, God had to put him through 
uh, the process and prepare him. And God did that and allowed him to become a great leader. Of course, another example. Let's look at the example of Joseph. Turn over to Acts chapter 9, where it talks about Joseph. Acts chapter 9, and uh, beginning in, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 7, and beginning in verse 9. Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 9 says this, verses 9 through 14, where he's, uh, or Stephen's uh, preaching, says this, And the patriarchs moved with envy and sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions. And God gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now we know before he got uh, uh, there with uh, uh, Pharaoh, what? He had to go through a process, right? He was there with Potiphar and he got lied about and then he ended up in prison and, and all that happened. And for many years he had to go, but you know, God, God put him in positions you know, with leaders and gave him opportunity to learn and uh, prepare him. So he went through that uh, process and he gave says, and he delivered him out of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him a governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent unto our fathers. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren. And Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob and all his kindred, threescore and fifteen souls. Now, uh, there we see, we know the story of him going through that process. Turn back over to Psalm 105, where it talks about it as well. Psalm 105, it mentions Joseph. Psalm 105, and it says this, beginning in verse 17 of Psalm 105. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Look at this, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. Listen, the process, <laughs> listen, uh, the process isn't always easy. Until the time that his word came and the word of the Lord tried him. Notice that about the process. Until the time that his word came and the word of the Lord tried him. That word tried there, that's the same word that refers to the purifying process of a refiner. You see, God puts a man through the process. And a lot of times that process is to refine that man, to break that man down and uh, to build him. And he does that in the Christian life, right? Uh, we've been out there and we still have, you know, remember when uh, Lazarus came out of the grave, right? What had to happen before he could get back in to serve the Lord? And the grave clothes had to be removed. <laughs> you know, we get saved, but we sometimes we still have those grave clothes on, right? And they got to be taken off, amen, so that we can go forth and serve. There's a process to it. God's got to break us down and rebuild us, even as, as, as uh, believers. And so it says there again, in verse 17, right? Verse 19, unto the time that this word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the rule of the people, and let him go free. And he made him lord of his house and ruler of his substance. 
And so everybody knows Joseph became a great leader. I mean, most of the, 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 the uh, last chapters of Genesis are dedicated uh, to Moses and the process that he went through and what he had to go through before God allowed him to become a great leader for God. And let's look at one more example. In the New Testament, of course, uh, Peter in uh, Matthew 26, we know what happened uh, with him. Matthew 26, beginning of verse uh, 69, where he denies Christ. Now, Peter, you know, again, not just here, but several places where Matthew 16, where Jesus says, who do men say they am? We always give him great credit for what he said. You know, thou art the Christ. And the Lord says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, right? We mentioned that this morning, but here he is. God's praising him. But what did the Lord say to Peter just a few verses later? He remembers what happened just a few verses later, right after God praises him, gives him a great, you know, pat on the back. But just a few verses later, what did, uh, what did the Lord uh, say to Peter? Who remembers what happened? What's that? Get thou behind me, Satan. Boy, you know, listen, it, it just takes a second, you know. Uh, 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 to mess up. And so, man, Peter, he, he messed up there. And then here we see in Matthew 26, now Peter sat without the palace and the damsel came unto him, uh, Matthew 26, verse 69, saying, thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know that, you know, that's kind of interesting. He says, your speech betrays you. He says, man, they still think I'm a Christian. So what's he doing? He starts cussing because, right, you know, Christians don't, don't cuss, <laughs> right? Not, Christians aren't supposed to cuss. He says, well, I'll let them know. I, Christians don't talk like this, so maybe if I talk like this, they won't think I'm a Christian, right? So that's why we got to watch, right? It's like, oh, I didn't know Christians uh, did that. So he started using bad language. He said, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word Jesus which said to him, Before the cock crew, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. And of course, we know that the Lord told him that was going to happen. And what was the Lord saying? You know? Because hey, what did he say to him? After thou art what? Converted, strengthen thy brethren. So back, right there, the Lord said to him, Listen, I'm going to make you a leader among your brethren, Peter. But before that happens, you're going to have to go through a process. Before that happens, you're going to have to go through a process. And, of course, he went through that process and had to be broken, had to be broken. Rarely does God use a man greatly before he's allowed that man to be greatly broken. You see that with Moses, right? He had to go through that and be broken, right? We saw that with Joseph. He had to go through the process of being broken. We see that with Peter. He had to go through the process of being broken, right? Hey, aren't you glad he didn't throw away the clay? I love that song. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't throw away the clay. So we see the process here. Yet, yet, despite this, who do we find standing? Who do we find leading? And who do we find preaching on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 plus got saved. Of course, we see Peter, Acts chapter 2. We see Peter. 
See, God put him through the process, and then God put him in the position. They went through the process, but the process was always the purpose for preparing them for the position that God had for them as a leader uh, uh, before people, for his people. Acts 2.14 says this, right? The day of Pentecost came. Right, And they were all speaking. The verse 14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. So he preaches that message. You come down to verse 36. Therefore, that all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. What a difference. Amen. He went from the denier to the declarer boldly of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what God can do. See, the process can take you from the denier to the declarer, amen, and being boldly, that, this same Jesus whom thou hast crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto people and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I love that. You see, I, I, I like that. What shall we do? Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? You see, when... When, 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 God, when, you're, when, when God gets a hold of a heart, you don't, need, you don't have to try and twist and turn to get them saved. Well, when the fruit's ready, you don't have to pull. Who here's ever picked peaches? Anybody ever picked peaches? Huh? How hard do you have to pull? Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll never forget that the first time I picked peaches, uh, a, a friend of mine in Bulgaria he had a, a villa that overlooked the, the Black Sea. And we'd go up there, and he grew strawberries and everything, and, and he had peach trees. And he said, oh, you, oh, you want to pick some peaches? I said, sure. And I went up there like I thought I had to pull it. It's like as soon as I touched it, it just fell in my hand. You're like, what's holding it there? What's holding it there? You're like, how in the world? I mean, it's like there was nothing. You wonder how it was, it was held up there because it just fell into your hands so easily. And I believe that's how it is when somebody's <laughs> ready to get saved, you know? I know, you know, you hear these, you know, techniques of soul winning and this and that. Listen, the text, the te- let me give you the technique of soul winning is give the gospel, pray and let the Holy Spirit get a hold of that heart. Right. And just let it fall into the hand of God and just let it fall into the hand of hand of God. Right. Sort of like uh, 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 D.O. Moody that day. He was out with one of his friends and this guy was uh, stumbling down the street drunk. And he goes, his friend said to him, he said, D.L., that looks like one of your converts. He said, it probably is one of my converts and not the Lord's <laughs> because he was, uh, he was stumbling down there. But when the Lord gets a heart, listen, what must it listen? They'll, they'll fall right into the hand, right into the hand of God. So they cried out, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized unto you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. That's us right there. Those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. Hard to believe this is the same man. But listen, you see, you, listen, if you would have seen Peter over there denying God and all that stuff, then you see him on that day, you wouldn't have recognized him. Man, is that, is that the same guy? Is that the same guy? Oh my goodness, what God can do in a life what, once he's put that servant through 
the process. Once he's put that servant through the process. So just uh, finishing up here as we think about this, go through God's word. And I'm sure you have. And no doubt, as you go through God's word over and over again, you will see God chooses his leaders from the most unlikely of people. People others may not have chosen. Hey, who wants to vote Moses in? You know, the guy that uh, killed somebody today. We need a leader. Who wants you? Oh, well, <laughs> Moses, I get my vote. I'm a Midian. Hey, he can stay there. I hope if I never see him again. Huh? Hey, here comes Joseph. Hey, hey, here, here comes Joseph. Who wants to vote? Oh, no, man, we're going to put him in this ditch and we're going to get rid of him. Peter, what? that God denier? That God, you want to make him? But once they'd been through the process, God knew what he was doing in their life. You will see God chooses his leaders from the most unlikely of people. People others may not have chosen, but he chose. But he chose. I have seen people in the ministry. Boy, I've seen people in the ministry everyone thought was great. I thought was great. Boy, I think of people, I thought, man, that guy, whew, wow. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'll never, never be like him. But then years later, I've seen that same person, something get in their heart, something get in their life and they destroy a ministry. Then I've seen others thought, uh, you know, sort of looked at him and, Lord, are you sure about him? Sort of like that young guy that went to Bible college and uh, at the end of one of the classes, you know, after he gave his first little message, uh, the teacher comes up and says, uh, son, what makes you think you're called to preach? He said, oh, let me tell you about it. He said, I'm a farmer. He said, I was out on the farm and I was working on the tractor one day. He said, I took a little break and I was sitting on this tree, just relaxing. And all of a sudden I looked up, the clouds began to move and the clouds began to form. And boy, the one turned into a big G, the other one turned to big P. And I knew that was God calling me to preach. And the professor looked at him and said, son, I think that may go plow. He just didn't see it, didn't see it, Right. But I've seen others, the Lord, you know, you think, man, Lord, are you sure this is, this is the person you want? You know, I think about when I was a young missionary and I see other people come and I think, wow, you know, I mean, you know, human thinking, you know, and yet years later, they were great men of God, great missionaries doing a great work for God because God knows who he's chosen. God knows who he wants to use and God knows the process either he's put them through or that he's going to put them through to make them the man of God that he would have them to be for his ministry and for his service. So may the Lord help us, whether seeking to be a better leader, whether seeking to be a better Christian, or whether seeking to be a better church, trust the Lord and trust the Lord with the law of the process. God knows from beginning the beginning of a thing to the end of a thing, and he can be trusted. Let's pray.